Hello and welcome everyone to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free. As usual, I'm your host, Aaron White, and I have a new film review to share with you today. But also, as you may have noticed in the title to this episode, the graphic or the show notes, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on a new upcoming video game release as well. So if you're interested in that, by all means, stick around. But first, we're going to get right into the movie after I remind you that we are now a member, a proud member of the Now Playing Network, where you can listen to other great shows like We Doing Filmographies where Jason and Jules draw an actor's name from a hat and watch their filmography in chunks of 10. Super cool concept, something that Patrick and myself had done on Feel and Film in the past. We would do a director month where we would spend five of our main episodes going through a specific director's filmography. Jason and Jules are doing the same thing, but way more in depth. Super cool series. I highly recommend you check that show out. You can find their podcast of course, anywhere that you get podcasts, on any app, etc. You can also find all of our shows on nowplayingnetwork.net. And if you're enjoying this show, by all means, please follow us on social media. You can follow the show. You can follow myself. You can interact with us. I love to chat. You can also drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a nice review or on Spotify or wherever you listen. We always appreciate those things as well. But that's enough. Let's get to the movie, shall we? The film for today is Legion of Superheroes from DC Entertainment and WB Animation, starring the voice work of Meg Donnelly, Jensen Ackles, Darren Criss, Matt Bomer, Darren DePaul, Yuri Lowenthal, Harry Shum Jr., Cynthia Hamidi, and more. It is directed by Jeff Womister, and it is written by Josie Campbell. It runs 84 minutes and is rated PG-13 for some violence and language. What's it about? Kara, devastated by loss of Krypton, struggles to adjust her new life on Earth. Superman mentors her, and meanwhile, she must contend with a mysterious group called the Dark Circle, who searches for a powerful weapon held in the Academy Vault. I feel like DC Animation is giving me whiplash recently. Underwhelming Injustice, then great. Catwoman Hunted, then Underwhelming Again, Constantine, The House of Mystery, then Really Great, Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons, and now, very, very underwhelming. Actually, scratch that. This one is just straight up not good. First of all, the title doesn't really do it justice because this is a Supergirl movie through and through. So if you love Kara, maybe you'll enjoy it more than I did. I don't mind the idea of focusing on her at all. She's a fine character, but I think that she at least deserved credit for being this particular film's star. We kick things off by yet again watching Krypton get destroyed. That poor planet, I swear. Kara is training with her mom, but gets sent off to Earth to find Cousin Clark and be saved. It's a very quick setup to remind us that Kara is a refugee. While there, things don't go that well because she's depressed and frustrated with how, quote, primitive Earth is. And she doesn't control her powers well, so she's overly destructive, much to Batman's chagrin. As a fix, Clark thinks, hey, let's use this time bubble thing that I have and send you to the 31st century where you can train 
at the Legion of Superheroes Academy. And hopefully, Kara can earn a spot on the big team. To his credit, she does fit in better there with other people who have abilities like her and more technology than she does on modern day Earth. From there, it becomes a high school story, complete with the kind of dialogue that you'd expect from a group of teenagers. The villain or the nefarious plot, it plays a backseat for most of the movie in favor of focusing on the rivalry that Supergirl and Brainiac 5 have while training, and then her suspicions about the clone, because all she knows is that Brainiac equals bad, because the real Brainiac tried to kill Superman. But here we are on a fifth clone of Brainiac. Comic book stuff gets real confusing real quick, folks, so you just kind of got to go along for the ride and just accept some things. The Dark Circle, one of these shadowy antagonists of the film, has a rich history across time and really is undercooked in such a disappointing way for me. There's also a romance subplot and a very obvious love triangle between Kara and two of her fellow trainees that is incredibly cheesy. And then Supergirl basically just makes a bunch of illogical decisions and rushes to conclusions as someone her age would do, but then ends up being redeemed in the end, so it really doesn't matter. Also wasted, I felt, are the plethora of other characters introduced. I won't remember a single one of their names or abilities, and there's no big battle showing off their unique powers in a particularly interesting way, and using them as actually well-rounded and developed characters. There's only a brief scene during the climax where they show up, briefly, to remind you that they're still in this movie at all. Now, I know many don't care for this new, more cel-shaded animation style that DC has gone with for the revamp or reboot, if you will, of their animated film series, but I love it. So at least this nothing burger of a story looked pretty to me. It's just so completely skippable, which is a big crime, in my opinion, because it doesn't feel like this enhances the overall universe that these stories are being told in, or dive deep enough into character development to even make it worthy of a one-off storyline. It just comes off feeling cheap and rushed and simple. Sometimes, as much as I enjoy these occasionally, I really wish that they would just take a step back with these animated films and put more effort into making one great one each year instead of multiple titles where the quality oscillates in the storytelling. It's also neat to be giving people the opportunity to direct these, the opportunity to write these stories that may not have ever had that before. So I get that, but sometimes that comes off feeling more like a TV series where, for example, this would have made like a great episode of a larger story, but it doesn't really work as an 84 minute stretched out single movie. One other thing that is better than most DC animated releases is the special features. Uh, They're of decent length and actually add something by more thoroughly explaining the motivations behind characters in the Legion, such as Supergirl, Brainiac 5, and then also the Dark Circle. I appreciate that the passion the team had for telling this story 
and acknowledge what they wanted this to be. It's just too bad that it didn't come across as enjoyable as I think maybe that they hoped it would. Now, with regards to those special features, I'll run through that list for you real quick. There is the Legion Behind the Legion, a four and a half minute featurette, which obviously looks at the original story idea through some character development and animation and is just a, a very brief making of Doc, if you would. Then there's Meet the Legionnaires, which is almost 10 minutes long. And this is really cool because this helps to flesh out some of the Legion of Superheroes or and or the trainees that are trying to become part of the Legion of Superheroes. It tells us who made the cut and why and gives us some background and why they're important to the movie. This is part of what I was saying is I, I wish that some of this information had been presented better in the film itself. I didn't have to watch this, but at the same time, this helped me. Maybe if I watched the movie again, I would get more out of it because I had more background on these folks. Then there's Brainiac Attack, the intellect behind the supervillain, another eight minute long featurette that is really all about Brainiac 5 and, and talks about the four Brainiacs who came before him and why he's kind of going on his own path. Listen, it's interesting and it, and it helps to give, again, more background to the character that I don't think was fully realized within the film itself. but. You really got to enjoy Brainiac to be into this, I think. Then there's Down to Earth, the story of Supergirl, which is another almost nine minutes featurette on her and why they chose to center the story around her and what her backstory is with Superman at the start of the movie and, and the relationship that develops between her and Brainiac 5. Also pretty interesting. Lastly, there is, as usual, an old animated series episode, this one from Superman, the animated series. It is called Little Girl Lost, part one and two. And basically, this is just another version of Superman taking in teenage Kara on Earth after Krypton has been destroyed. Only this was better than the movie, in my opinion. And so it's kind of embarrassing that they end up putting this on the same disc because frankly, if I was going to watch one of these two things over again, it would be those two episodes. I enjoyed them a lot and more so than I did the film. Legion of Superheroes is out to own digitally and on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray combo pack and Blu-ray as of now. You can buy it. You can maybe eventually rent it. DC doesn't usually allow that for some reason, or at least not for a little while. Or you can try and hold out and check this one out once it eventually comes to a streaming platform, probably HBO Max down the road. I'm not really feeling it. I don't think that there's any, any reason at all to purchase this outright. And I think you'd be wasting your money if you did so for most people. Now, this next bit is for the video gamers. So if that doesn't interest you, I appreciate you listening and we'll talk again soon. But as many know, I have periodically hosted or co-hosted a games podcast called The Games We Love which you can still listen to old episodes of in that feed now. It's available anywhere you get podcasts. And gaming is definitely my second passion along with film. Because of that, and because FF Plus, that plus, allows me to really just do whatever I want with this show. And because so many people love the world of Harry Potter, specifically because of the movies, I thought I'd share some initial impressions of my time with the early access to this game so far. So the game is Hogwarts Legacy, comes from the developer Avalanche Software and is distributed by Portkey Games of the WDB Games Studio. 
It's a single player open world RPG. Solid character creator, first and foremost. Right when you jump in, there are a large amount of options, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I like the way that my guy looks. Uh, you can also obviously be a female. Um, you can find your way into creating some other characters. There's a pitch option with regards to the voice tone you want. So you can really mix and match this. And I think create a character that is pretty close to what you would want yourself to be represented as within this game. Graphically, the game looks very nice, even on the performance prioritized settings, which ensure that the frame rate stays up while playing the game. Most of these new games on our current generation consoles have this option where you can either make the game look the best possible way and deal with some slowdown in the gameplay, or you can have it run really buttery smooth and fast and lose just a little bit in the visual department. I choose the latter. And like I said, I haven't really had an issue with that at all. Occasionally, I'll switch over to the high graphical fidelity option just to get some better screenshots. But unfortunately, this game doesn't have a photo mode yet, so I'm not really doing a lot of that just yet. Hopefully, they'll add one later on. The game opens with an incredible cinematic and story that is it really gripped me right from the beginning. It feels perfectly set up to work in this Harry Potter universe. And, and this is happening well before the Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger time period that we know and love. So for the most part, none of these characters are going to be recognizable, except maybe some of the ghosts in Hogwarts. And of course, some of the names, you're going to meet people who were ancestors of some of the characters that we know and love or despise, depending on your perspective. I really enjoyed meeting the villains and exploring a very familiar place in a new way. Looked really awesome. Not going to tell you what that is, but right off the bat, you get to go to a cool location. I love the characters that I've met so far as well. They're full of personality. They're well animated. And I'm already even not a ton of hours into this game starting to feel attached to these new professors. Um, not obviously like I do the ones in the main Harry Potter series because I've spent more time with them, but I think that these will come to be special to me as well over time. It's hard to put into words just how amazing it feels to step into the shoes of a student and be walking around Hogwarts, attending classes like Charms and Defense Against the Dark Arts and finding secret passages and solving little puzzles and opening chests and Doing side quests or helping out your fellow students is essentially what those amount to oftentimes. The school is very expansive and it's full of detail and I am already obsessed with locating every little piece of lore that I can find. The animated statues and paintings and the general magical vibe of everything around this castle is just so perfectly captured. It is truly the Harry Potter game that we have always wanted. I don't think that there's any doubt about that. You feel like you're part of this world finally, and so many of us have really wanted that experience. You meet a couple of students early on, and some of your starting kind of quest lines revolve around a choice between which one you want to prioritize your time with. There's a Slytherin boy, no thank you for me, because not a Slytherin guy, uh, and a Ugandan girl named Natty. I chose her. And I love her. She is very witty. She's very smart, has high intelligence. She 
has told me all about her Ugandan school of magic and the wizarding way of life in Uganda. And that is really interesting because as we know, we've we've learned since the series expanded that there are these wizarding schools all across the world. And so here we learn about one in Africa and what that was like. And I just I'm really enjoying her addition to this plot line so far. I love that when you are talking to other characters in the dialogue choices and the quests that you take on, you often have an option. You can take a less honorable and more selfish choice to your answers, or you can be a more humble person of high integrity. There's no morality meter in this game that kind of tracks as far as I know. I haven't. If it is, it's invisible. But I just have personally chosen to play my character in a very stand-up kind of way, a nice guy way. And I like that. I'm not going to use any of the unforgivable curses, which you can unlock later on. And maybe I'll get to do a second run later as a terrible Slytherin ugh, and go nuts with that stuff and, and be a bad guy. But not yet. Also, I'm not wading into the whole J.K. Rowling discourse regarding her personal feelings about things because I just don't think that it has anything to do with this game. But in light of that, I know some people care. It is notable that Avalanche has created a character named Serona Ryan, who is a transgender woman and serves as the tavern keep at the Three Broomsticks, which is this very famous place in Hogsmeade that we get to visit. And so she gets to play a, an actual role in, in like some of the quest lines. She's not just a background character standing somewhere that like, oh, hey, they put a trans character in there. This is someone that has voice lines and a purpose. And I thought that some people might find that interesting or want to know that. The movement is crisp in the game. The combat is super fun. I wouldn't say it's the deepest system ever, but that's the whole thing about this game. It feels very relaxing, like a more immersive open world to explore, where walking around Hogsmeade or flying around on your broom or Sneaking through the Forbidden Forest or having wand duels with fellow students or even decorating your personal room of requirement are just as enjoyable to me so far as fighting goblins and trolls and spiders has been. That being said, the spellcasting looks awesome visually and it feels great. It's always a blast. The cool thing also is that you use spells constantly in the open world. Things like Reparo, Lumos, Leviosa, and Akio and Revealio. So it's not just in combat that you get to have fun with spellcasting. Personally, I can see myself taking my time and thoroughly completing all that this game has to discover. It's been wonderful so far in this world and finally getting to pretend to be a student at Hogwarts. And already, I think this is the next best thing to the original film series. It's better than all of those silly Fantastic Beast movies by far. Last but not least, Hufflepuffs forever. Uh, the game is out in early access now for the deluxe edition. You get to play a few days early on Xbox Series X, PS5, and PC. The standard edition releases on February the 10th on Series X, PS5, and PC. On April 4th, the game will come out for last-gen consoles, the PS4 and Xbox One, and then it will be all the way to July 25th. <laughs> if you want to play this on Nintendo Switch, I am sorry. 
and I wish you the best of luck with the game running well on that platform. Well, that's it for this episode. Hopefully some of this information has assisted in your decision making. That's what I like to do. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I will be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filled. Thank you.